Welcome back to I'd Rather Be at the Beach, brought to you by the Bonjour Agency. This is the podcast for school marketing people that's nothing to do with work or school marketing. I'm Simon, former marketing manager turned owner of the Bonjour Agency, the place for admissions and marketing in schools. In each episode, I speak to someone in the sector who won't talk about work, but we get to find out more about them as a person. Now, in this episode, we're speaking to two people, in fact, two heads. Catherine Gorman is the head of Abbots Hill School in Hemel Hempstead, and we have Catherine Bluck, head of prep and also at Abbots Hill. Now, we don't talk about work. There's no sales pitch involved about the 76 acres of grounds at the school, but we do find out briefly how each of them views marketing in the independent school sector in 2022 and 2023, where they think it's going and what they look for when recruiting someone into the team. That's as close as we get to talking about work, and we only discuss that because I thought it might help you personally if you're thinking of looking for another position in the near future. But we also talk about their backgrounds. I challenged them on SLT members in schools often being Oxbridge educated. We find out about what they do at the weekends and also what they've enjoyed recently for pure leisure time. That's all coming up in this episode of I'd Rather Be at the Beach. So come with me now as we scoot along the M25 to Hemel Hempstead and speak to the heads of Abbots Hill School. It's Catherine and Catherine. Catherine and Catherine, welcome to I'd Rather Be at the Beach. Great to hear from you both today. How are you? Good. It's been a busy morning already. It's a nice time to uh, stop and reflect uh, mid-morning with you. What kind of things, Catherine, do you get up to on, on a busy day then? Oh, I tell you what. What I love about this job actually is every single day is completely different. Um, so this morning I have read a fabulous um, story called We Don't Eat Our Classmates to Year One, um, which is about a dinosaur who starts school. Uh, and uh, if you eat your classmates, nobody wants to be your friend. So actually it's about being kind uh, and, and not putting nasty things out into the world. Uh, and then I've also sorted out all sorts of other things along the way. But it, those moments when you spend time with the children are we remember why we do this. Well, it's great to understand life in the prep school. We're going to find out a little bit more about that in a moment. Um, Catherine Gorman, tell me about life in the senior school. What's been, what have you been up to so far well, So far today, actually? So far today. Um, hi, good morning, Simon. Um, thank you very much for having us both. Um, it's, again, been a really, really busy morning this morning. Um, I haven't been reading um, lovely stories to year one. Um, in fact, I've been uh, sorting out some year 11 references um, on sixth form because we don't, in fact, uh, run a sixth form here. Um, so I've been sorting out year 11 references I've been uh, talking to some parents uh, meeting some prospective students um, and doing some preparation for a governor meeting this evening so busy morning busy morning lots of variety and just like other Catherine uh, I imagine that every day is very very different but Catherine Gorman I believe you joined a school in January 2020 that was a fairly uneventful year wasn't it (laughs) did you have any idea what it was going to be like that year of course not. I mean, no, I did not. I joined yeah, January 2020 and, and obviously there was the small matter of COVID to deal with, but also actually on day six, um, we also had a full full inspection. So I had 11 inspe- inspectors walk through the door on day six of my headship um, to do a full inspection. So we, we did that brilliantly and then uh, thought it would settle down. And then, of course, um, within a couple of weeks, um, this thing called COVID arrived. Um, so, yeah, that was an incredible year. But do you know what? It gave me such an incredible opportunity to really have to dive right in and understand the school from top to bottom, nursery to, to year 11, in every single facet of the school. Um, what everybody did um, and um, and then recreate that digitally um, in, in a matter of a very few weeks. So I, I'm always one to take a glass 
half full approach to life. And I just saw it as an incredible opportunity to get to know the school in the blink of an eye. I like it. I like it. It's a good approach to take. How did you get into education in the first place? I mean, what was all that about? <laughs> so when I was um, uh, younger, um, I thought I was going to be um, a lawyer, actually. Um, I wanted to be a barrister. I wanted to work with young people, um, particularly disadvantaged young people, um, and or in international uh, human rights law. So th those are, it was all about rights and justice, basically. That's what I wanted to get into. Um, then uh, I did an English degree um, and I did fill in my form for converting to go to law school to do my conversion course. Um, but the day that I went to hand it in, I hate to think how this makes me sound, it was really raining hard. And um, I got to the post office on campus in the pouring rain and it was shut for another hour. Um, and I'd got up quite early for a student. Um, and so I was a bit annoyed and I decided that I would go and find something to do for an hour rather than walking home. Um, and next door there was um, free tea and um, toast on offer. And also a talk about teaching in Japan uh, with the JET programme. And I was lured in by the tea and the toast. Um, but I went in and then listened to this incredible 25-year-old talk about this extraordinary experience he'd had living in Japan. And um, I thought, this sounds amazing. I want to do this. And, and the slight run-up to that also was that while I'd sort of gone along the law treadmill, I'd also been binging off to all the milk round interviews. Um, and I applied to all everybody essentially that you could imagine applying for in the milk round and I didn't really want to work for any of them I wasn't inspired um and um so my heart just wasn't in it and I thought oh well I'll do law then um and then it was just listening to this person talk about his experience and teaching and being overseas and I was like right I'll do that so three weeks later I ended up in Japan um in a rural town where I was the first ever white woman uh, to live there and I didn't speak a word of Japanese and I stayed there for three years um and taught as a teaching assistant um, in that town and it was absolutely amazing and then came back and trained as a teacher and the rest is well here we are. <laughs> That's just crazy isn't it I mean isn't it just amazing yeah. <laughs> how our lives are turned around completely by chance encounters absolutely. like that I mean it's it's, it's amazing yes. how that works. Uh, you mentioned that you were up early that day uh, for a student I noticed you added so that's probably what before lunch or something like that. I mean something like that I don't know before neighbours something I mean. <laughs> <laughs> before neighbours before the lunchtime neighbours. That definitely it. shows Catherine's age. Yes I have just <laughs> aged myself. <laughs> I'm, I'm right there with you Catherine uh, and where did you study your English degree then? Uh, that was Birmingham. Birmingham excellent and Catherine Black where did you go to university? Uh, I went to Cambridge. Um, I was there for four amazing years. I did my um, uh, undergraduate and then my PGCE. I am a bit different, but I always did want to be a teacher. I always did want to work with children. And that was my dream, I suppose, um, to be a primary school teacher. I knew it would always be younger children for me because I worked in a nursery right from 16 in my holidays. Um, and so my love of um, the EYFS um, is always been, it's always my sort of spiritual home, I suppose, but actually most of my teaching was done slightly higher into key stage two. Uh, but that, that for me, yeah, that was my journey was um, I always wanted to do it and I've, I've never done anything else. <laughs> I went straight from university, straight into my NQT year, and I've been in teaching ever since. If you weren't working in teaching, what kind of thing might you have ended up doing? Any idea? I, I do have a real passion for um, children with SEND. So I potentially would have ended up being something like an educational psychologist or a speech and language therapist or working with uh, children with neurodiversity. <laughs> it's something I'm quite a, a big, um, it's a big passion of mine to make sure that all children can access 
um, education and make sure that they can have the best and believe in themselves. That's the big thing for me. I think particularly um, in a school like ours, we are a school where we really celebrate individuality. And I want any girls that are here and our boys in nursery to believe in themselves and understand how they work and can advocate for themselves. So I probably would have gone down slightly more that route mm. or possibly um, I almost went instead of going to Cambridge uh, to Ambleside uh, to the beautiful Lake District mm. um, to do geography, which is my degree, but geography with outdoor education, um, because I've always um, I was a guide all the way through and brownie. So um, I've always loved being outside. So my passion for outdoor learning, I really want to, that's part of my plan uh, at Abbots Hill is to bring a lot of that love for being outside um, and risk-taking behavior um, into our girls here. Mm. No, I love that. And clearly Lake District would have been very, very different to Cambridge. Tell me one thing that you loved about being in Cambridge. I'm, I'm very lucky that I still get to go back because it's actually not that far from home. Um, so I do get to go back. I've still got lots of friends there. My two best friends are still my best friends from the corridor mm -hmm. in my very first year, just purely because they stuck all the children together who were, I say children, I suppose we were 18, <laughs> uh, but stuck those together because we were all A's and B's in the register. So they literally, so all of us were, um, our, fir our first letter of our surnames were all the same thing on the corridor. So they are still my best friends. Um, I'm very much godparent to their children and, and and seeing them grow up. The things I loved about Cambridge was being surrounded by people who love learning. Um, and and I the early mornings was a bit different for me. I was a rower at university all the way through my four years. So I was that nutter who was up at six o'clock in the morning, cycling to the boathouse, um, you know, getting wet and cold and then still making it to a nine o'clock lecture. Um, I, yeah, so for me, it's that it's being amongst people who, and, and I did work in Cambridge for two years. And interesting, I found that was a very similar kind of people around me that just are very geeky about education and want to have those conversations about how we can better things and change things. So for me, that was fabulous. And I obviously, my, my love is hazards. So um, volcanoes, earthquakes, etc. So anything to do with that will always be part of my ethos. And, and I would add that, so I was lucky enough to then go to Cambridge to do my master's and it's exactly that point about being surrounded by people who just love what they're doing so much and are so passionate about it. And, um, and I think that just that deep learning, I mean, it can somewhat drive you to obsession being in such an intense environment as that but being completely immersed i mean i did i did my master's part-time um and actually um had one of my daughters in the middle of it so also took a sabbatical but um but every wednesday that i got to drive up there lose myself in that space for for the whole sort of afternoon and evening with some of the brightest minds in education really driving to make a difference in education um i mean it's still hugely influential in um, in my practice today so it was a real a real treat. I'm going to ask you both a slightly controversial question because you both have a connection there to Cambridge and certainly within the independent school sector whenever I see on LinkedIn or anywhere like that that a new head has been appointed it's almost a case of seeing which college they went to at, at either Oxford or Cambridge. Do you think that there is some kind of fast pass entry for a senior position in the independent sector having gone to Oxford or Cambridge or do you think that we're now moving into a world where there's more recognition in other universities? And I'm not just talking about Russell Group universities, talking about, you know, wider field of experience. I think the whole world of, of just employment full stop is changing, actually. So um, we talk a great deal at, at this school, and it's very important to me in my educational philosophy that education is is just... <sighs> 
so much more than than those certificates and those named places and 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 what that says and you know and if you look in 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 the commercial sector, I say this to parents quite often, um, you know, when, when they can be getting very caught up in so-and-so must go and do these A-levels and they must go to this university and do this degree to get into that profession. Well, most professions, um, when you get into them, they will train you. Um, and, and what you need is the right dispositions, the right personality. You've got to be able to work with people. And and in, in an age of increasing um, automation and, and AI and, you know, digitalisation of, of the workplace, we need people we need human beings and people who've got those skills and and I come from a family of medics I'm the only non-medic in my absolute sort of immediate and wider family and I know from my relatives who've worked in in medical recruitment you can hire the brightest and best scientists to be a doctor but they will you know they may be an appalling doctor because they don't get to people can't work with people obviously they don't have to go together in that way um but but it's about looking for the people looking for the humanity i think in in the person and i think the world of business has woken up to that some years ago now and education always does lag behind slightly but it's rapidly having to catch up because you know google ibm all these big companies they're not even looking at the qualifications um you know they're not look they don't want to know the degree they don't want to know the a-level qualifications they're not looking at that information you know excellent safer recruitment practice anyway is that you actually don't um so that you know you you are unbiased in your appraisal of a person's qualities um and, and the world of education has really rapidly got to wake up to this and and i think the the uk education system with those hard endpoints of gcse's and a-levels it's just not the way the world is working anymore and if we don't recognize that acknowledge it and do something about it we're just falling so far out of step so that's not quite answering your question but no i i have worked in schools where it was very much have they been to this university yes okay let's bring them forward to interview have they been to this university no well then no um i've seen that um i don't adopt that practice i i want to know about the person um and sometimes somebody who struggled with education and for whom education was not easy make the very best teachers because they understand where young people are coming from mm. and people who've glided through the system um, don't understand what it means to struggle. Mm. Okay, so some of the people listening to this, probably the majority of people actually work in some kind of marketing or admissions role in the independent sector. You just mentioned that you don't look at qualifications when people apply for a job. Um, not thinking about Abbott's Hill here and definitely not thinking about whoever's running your marketing at school there, but what sort of things do you look for in, in someone applying for a marketing or admissions role at school? So I've written down three words. Um, I've written down, and, and they happen to tally very closely with our, our school values. One is authenticity. Uh, one is humanity. I'm going to say that word again. It's really, really important to me. And one is curiosity. Um, so I, I think just being, uh, and I'm going to probably now say a load of cliches, so I, I apologise, but the ability to be nimble and to be agile in this market in the last few years is just a necessity. Um, and I just think... Being an amazing storyteller, I'm an English teacher, I love a story, but being an amazing storyteller, being able to understand that story and communicate it, but, but doing so just with warmth and humanity, because so many independent schools essentially look and sound the same. We've all got a set of values. We've all got a brand strategy. We've all got a lovely website, et cetera, et cetera. And parents and children, because increasingly we are marketing to the children, they will see through that. If they don't get that connection and that belief in who you are and what you're saying, then I think it will all fall flat. I don't know if you would add anything. Yeah, well, I would say, I think, 
um, you know, post-COVID, one of the things everybody was missing was community. Um, and that's for all of us. I mean, one of the main reasons I've moved back to Abbots Hill um, is I'm actually from, from Hertfordshire. I went uh, to uh, school in the local area um, and two of my best friends came here. And when the opportunity arose to be able to come back to the community I know in this area, as well as to a school like this, really fell into the right step because what we all missed during COVID was connection and community. So I think that person coming in needs to understand what a school's community means to the different people, the different stakeholders, and understand it, get under the skin of it, and then be able to communicate it. And I completely agree that the big thing you've got to get when that comes to marketing, et cetera, and we want someone here would be about telling the individual stories and whether they can slot, whether that child feels that they can slot into the community and belong, because I think that's what everybody was missing was that belonging. And we know that children using social media and other things, etc. They are desperate for connection and um, and that and that connection to other people and that belonging. So for me, it would be somebody who came in, got to know the school properly, got to know all the stakeholders, and we'd be able to story tell through that humanity. It's, it's amazing to to be reminded of that because I, I think we can all remember what it, what it was like during COVID. That that whole sense of community was something that we that everybody did miss. And and I think before mm. COVID, I don't think many people would have would have set that as such a high priority if they needed to rank the important things in their lives. But actually, it turned out that community was a really big thing. Catherine, keep going with this. Where do you think marketing is is heading in the future in the independent school sector? I really do think story is all. Um, and, and I think finding ways, unique ways of telling your school story. Um, uh, you know, obviously there's the existing platforms, you know, that we that we all know. Um, but making sure that, yeah, that that really is getting under the skin of, of your school and, and, and being able to represent that with humour and with wit. And show that relationship, yeah. I think. I think yeah. showing the relationship between the community is really important because just seeing a blank... Um, marketing, you know, generic website, generic social media, etc., that doesn't show relationships between human beings, I think is really missing a trick moving forward mm -hmm. because that's what everybody is craving. And um, that's why when parents come to us, they are trying to find out whether, because they can walk into any school and find out the list of all the things they have in that school. It's the same thing as I always describe this when I do my, when parents come, mm -hmm. is about, it's like buying a house. When you come into a school, you walk in, you can, you know, you look at your tick list. I want this many bedrooms. I want, um, you want, I want a sports hall. I want a swimming pool. I want this. But actually it's a feeling. Mm -hmm. and, and the feeling comes from the humans that inhabit that space doesn't come from the space. You can choose the same, we would be the same facilities as another school. But what you want to do is make sure that they understand what makes the school special. And that for me is the connections and the people. And and I, I think this is it. We've been I've been talking a lot with um actually with our marketing team, but about the sort of satisfies versus the delights. Um, and so you know you you parents expect um a superb education. They expect the best possible results for their children, despite what I just said about exam results. But the parents do expect that. Um, and we want at this time people still to get those because they do still matter. Um, and, and until such a time as there is a completely radically different system, they will continue to matter. Um, you know, they expect there to be, as Catherine said, excellent facilities, um, you know, a, a smart uniform. What are, they're just the satisfiers. So there's no point talking to parents about those things because I think it's really odd that you're telling them the things that they expect to hear. Mm -hmm. You have to talk to them about those 
truly authentic, surprising, delightful aspects of your school and 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 the qualities of what those are. When I started here, and and with you know no disrespect to anybody potentially you might be listening, but the, the school had been at some point in time rebranded, and and if anybody looks on our school website, they'll see a, a, a red, blue, and and white logo with sort of like crossing like this in a box. And nobody could tell me what it was. And and it was everywhere, but nobody knew what that meant. Um, and it turns out what it means. And it suddenly one of my deputy heads who's been here the longest of all of us in a meeting suddenly went, oh, I know what it is. And she, suddenly something came back from, you know, 10 years prior. Um, and what it is, is it's actually meant to be an envelope uh, folded over. And that is because the family who owned this house, this, this building, the main building that we're in, were the Dickinson family who owned um, the paper mill in the local town. And that paper mill developed Basildon Bond stationery, amongst other things. And it was a globally phenomenally successful company um, at the time. Um, and they made their however many lots of pounds um and they um and they were built this house and they were tremendously successful and 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 profitable um and so somebody had come along a branding agency had come along and gone oh that's a nice story let's have an envelope as your logo but somewhere the communication of that story had completely failed because even people who'd worked here for 10 15 years couldn't remember why it was that logo and what had then happened was it was like Abbott's Hill had become just this anonymous brand and it looked and apologies to any solicitors listening but it looked like a sort of you know local solicitor's office um not a school it had nothing of the school in it whereas actually i discovered in a in a book that was in a drawer when i started on my first i opened this book of these first a second world war memories of when this school in in you know was being strafed by german bombers and roald dahl sent his children here and all these amazing stories and in the middle of it one of the teachers told that told about the original school motto which in latin which i'm probably about to horribly mispronounce is v et vertute which sort of means through strength and valor well that and that rich heritage of the school is wonderful and knowing that john dickinson was friends with charles dickinson this is bleak house and you know all these all that had got lost so finding those things that are delightful um and treasuring your legacy i think rather than something rather corporate and cold is so important and again catherine what you're talking about there is stories 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 you know that's the backstory to the history of the school and i absolutely, absolutely. love it mm -hmm. yeah okay Okay, let's take it out of school for a second. I'm dying to know what each of you does at the weekends in order to relax and just to get away from school completely. Well, we're both we both actually have probably quite similar weekends. Mm. Sometimes they involve actually even seeing each other. <laughs> Not necessarily to work. We both uh, we both have we both have dogs. I have a, an 18 month old golden retriever who uh, is called Willow and uh, sort of uh, runs my life basically. Um, I adore her, and my intention is that of, uh, we hope that she will come in as one of our was as a therapy dog into school. She started her training, um, and I love to go and catch up with friends at the weekends. Go to the cinema maybe go down to the pub for a pint of Guinness. Uh, so all those kind of things. I'm, I'm, I love rugby, so going to watch rugby as much as possible. So all those kind of things, you know, that actually, again, it's about, for me, it's about, was about connections. So me coming back to the local area where I grew up, my friends are here. So the ability to kind of, you know, get back into the swing of having fun um, and, and, and enjoying being out and about. But yeah, Catherine? So, uh, yes, similar. I also have a dog, um, but I do also have two daughters. Um, so I should probably talk about them first. So, 
<laughs> rather than the dog. <laughs> so I have a 10-year-old and a 14-year-old and they are actually pupils here as well. So that that presents, I mean, I get a lot of critiquing of my assemblies and uh, which is lovely. So yeah, they, they keep me very busy at the weekend. They're very sporty. They're very active, catching up with friends, etc. Um, and then we, yeah, we have our dog Bramble, who's a spaniel and, and she gets me out and into the countryside. And Catherine and I do actually live only about 150 metres apart oh, wow. um, at the moment. So yes, by complete <laughs> fluke, obviously, um, and and that's hence why sometimes out with the dogs, etc., we 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 may sort of you know coincide on our on our sort of in our favourite coffee shop or something. But yeah, I mean the same catching up with friends. I don't think I do anything mad but you know just we might pop into london but just afternoons on the sofa with the fire on um strictly um at the moment those usual things now catherine uh catherine bluck just mentioned about going to the cinema if you went to the cinema what kind of movie would you choose to see well the last the last film i went to go and see um was top gun and I saw it, also, I managed, I saw it on the same day as I actually went up in a plane with one of my best friend's husbands, which felt kind of appropriate. He got his um, pilot's licence recently. Um, he's been working his socks off, bless him. Um, interesting enough, it was making the parallels because I used to do a lot of sailing and I'd uh, done quite a lot of navigation. But obviously it's quite different in the air. But So we we're making these comparisons between maps and the air and maps um, on, the, on the ground and obviously <laughs> a lot slower. Uh, so we had, I had the opportunity to go up just the two of us uh, in, in the air for a sort of an hour and a half uh, hour flight and flew over Stowe School and other places. It was just fabulous. Mm. And we then came, the end came down, luckily, no problems. Uh, and uh, um, a big thank you to Ian and Rebecca, because honestly, it was lifetime experience. I, I loved it, absolutely loved every minute. I think he thought I was scared, but I was just so conscious. I didn't want to distract him. Mm -hmm. um, I was just sitting there in absolute silence. And then in that evening, we then went to the cinema as uh, the three of us to go and see um, to go and see Top Gun, which I, the first film, I wasn't that big a fan. I'd seen it, it was very cult, but I have to say it felt very topical to be able to kind of link that to real life, obviously not in a fighter jet, but um, that was um, that was really nice to link. And the other one I saw recently was Where the Crawdads Sing, Ooh, which I thought that's an amazing book. I would that would be my choice of yeah. book is the um, last good book I wrote I read, but yeah. it wasn't bad as a film. <laughs> hmm. Oh, okay, I, I haven't seen that film. I've, I've seen Top Gun, of course. And I think most of the people listening to this have probably seen Top Gun as well. Yes. Um, Catherine Gorman, what was the last good film that you saw? Well, it was also Top Gun. Was it? We didn't discuss this beforehand. <laughs> it, it was actually. I haven't been to cinema, but I was trying. I've probably watched something. I mean, I've probably watched Encanto for about the 35,000th time with my daughter um, recently. But um, but yes, actually going to see a film like consciously uh, was Top Gun, which which I love. I mean, it hasn't evolved really, has it? But I I have I'd forgotten how amazing the music is. So I, that was amazing. But yeah, it was Top Gun. Sorry. Fantastic. No, don't don't be sorry at all. I mean, it's it's a great film, and and you know, people listening to this right now would have would have watched that too. Catherine and Catherine, we need to bring this to a close in a minute. It's been great talking to you both. It really has been. If people want to connect with you, are you on, on social media? I mean, are you on LinkedIn or something like that? Yep, I'm on LinkedIn. Yeah, we both use LinkedIn for our work side of things as well rather than necessarily other socials okay all right well what i'll do if it's all right with you i'll put links to both your social media accounts in the show notes thank you very much thank you and Catherine gorman you were about to say something else there weren't you i was just going to say obviously the school is on every available platform um that one can imagine um but yeah i prefer to professionally to be on linkedin fantastic 
Great. Well, Catherine and Catherine, thank you both very much for your time. It's been really good talking to you both. It's been great having two guests, uh, both of you in in one person's office, which has been fantastic. But thank you very much for giving up the time, uh, especially on a well on, on a Thursday lunchtime. I imagine you're both very hungry. It's probably time to get some food now. <laughs> we both also love food. Yes, it is a bit special. So. <laughs> awesome. Thanks very much, both of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. So that was Catherine and Catherine, heads at Abbots Hill School in Hemel Hempstead. So much good fun talking to them both. It's great to get their view of things about school marketing from outside the marketing and admissions department. Now to have a podcast for your own school marketing, for conversations with people in your school community, to share with other people in your school community, then check out our website, www.thebonjouragency.com, and you can find out more there. But in the meantime, the next episode is coming out soon, so click that option to follow or subscribe, and it just means you won't miss it. We look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.